Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the 4Press Podcast presented by GolfWeek.com. I'm your host, David Dusek, and in this week's episode, my special guest is Steve DiMeglio. Steve is a senior writer with Golf Week, GolfWeek.com, as well as USA Today Sports, and you can follow him on Twitter at, at Steve underscore DiMeglio. And the first part of this podcast, Steve and I discussed the really big storylines and the amazing things that happened back in 2019, but really, this is your 2020 PGA Tour preview, and Steve and I looked ahead and talked about some of the major storylines and things we're most looking forward to in the new year. First and foremost, Tiger Woods returning to Augusta National is the defending Masters champion. What are we supposed to make of Tiger Woods coming out of the President's Cup, coming off a win at the Zozo Championship? Where exactly is Tiger Woods' game in relation to many of the other elite players? And Steve and I went deep on all things Tiger. We also talked about Roy McIlroy. We talked about Brooks Kepka, who's been nursing a knee injury, and when we can expect to see him come back to play. Steve and I also discussed George, Justin Thomas, Jordan Speed. We talked about how the Olympics plays into the, the schedule and how that's going to make things challenging for the elite players. And then we finished off by taking a look ahead at the Ryder Cup, the, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, if you will, because 2020 is a Ryder Cup year. So hang on, and here we go. Get stronger, hit longer, and end pain with Golf Forever. Created by Justin Leonard and co-author of the Younger Next Year Back Book, Dr. Jeremy James, Golf Forever is the take-anywhere online golf fitness program that helps you build a body prime for golf. It's simple, safe, and it works. At home, in the gym, on the golf course, Golf Forever's easy-to-follow exercises, warm-up routines, and course management videos will help you play your best pain-free. Sign up today at GolfForever.com and use promo code GOLFWEEK for a free 14-day trial. Okay, now joining me on the Forward Press Podcast is Steve DiMeglio. And Steve, 2019 is now in the books at this point. We're going to be looking forward to 2020. But before we do, I want to take one last look back at the 2019 season because without really putting too much of a thinking cap on it, I came up with seven huge storylines that I think made for a fantastic season. You get Roy McIlroy winning at the Players, then Tiger Woods winning the next month at Augusta National. You know, for him, major number 15. Brooks Kepka rising to number one and winning at the PGA. Um, wearing Folds of Honor-themed clothing and shoes, Gary Woodland wins the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach, um, which, for my money, is the best U.S. Open venue we've got. Major championship returns to Royal Port Rush, and Shane Lowry from Ireland, of course, wins on native soil. Rory McIlroy wins the FedEx Cup, becoming the second player to win two FedEx Cups. And then Tiger Woods leads as a player captain in the United States in a big comeback at Royal Melbourne, which we're all drooling over in an ins- against an inspired international team to win and retain the President's Cup. 2019 was a hell of a year. Can you remember a year when we had that many really sweet storylines coming out of a season? Well, not really. I mean, one of the, the best storyline is look at we had we saw something in 2020 in 2019 we hadn't seen since 2008. Tiger winning a major, yeah. and when Tiger Tiger wins a major. 
And then he also wins the record-tying 82nd PGA Tour yeah. event yep. in his last PGA Tour start. And, as you said before, captains and was the best player on his team, on the U.S. team, and one of the best team matches I've seen. Um, right there, just Tiger alone makes 2019 one of the best years ever. But as you said, one thing I, that I still stand out is Brooks Kepka played in four major championships, and he got beat by five players. It's unbelievable. Um, you know, he he tied for second at the Masters. You know, he finished runner-up at the U.S. Open. He won the PGA Championship, and three guys beat him at the uh, at the Open Championship at Royal Portrush. Um, and when I say Royal Portrush, that immediately takes me back to one of the best venues I've ever been to, and I've been to hundreds uh, for golf tournaments, and it's just – like you said, the, every month had at least a standout storyline. And then when your headliner of all those storylines is Tiger Woods, yeah, yeah, 2019 was about as good as it gets. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't even just it, – it, the, the main dish was like the entree came, you know, when the appetizer was supposed to come out. When you start your season at the Masters, which is always so great, and Tiger Woods wins like that, then – it almost feels like there's no place to go but down. But we nearly, we really never went down. I mean, Kepka, thankfully, was fantastic. The New York crowd got into it, especially on the weekend. Even though Beth Page Black was wet, you know, yet again, what's new with Beth Page? Um, and and like I said, I, I think that for my money, Pebble Beach is the best U.S. Open venue we have. Between the history, the scenic views, the way it unfolds uh, for viewers who are not on grounds but are watching it on TV, Pebble is just such a special, special place. And as you're sort of mentioning venues, between Pebble Beach, Royal Port Rush, Royal Melbourne, and obviously our annual trip to Augusta National, um, just some unbelievable golf courses, variety, really, really great stuff. Let's dive into a little bit with Tiger Woods. Obviously coming off the win, as we said, at the Masters, he wins the Zozo Championship, player captain successfully. At this point in time, is Tiger Woods back, you know, in terms of his place in the universe of golf is not just the biggest name, but is he the best player in the world right now? Well, that's debatable. I mean, and that's what I was going to lead into that. I was going, as crazy as it sounds, just go back three years ago, I think Tiger has a chance. Now, he might not get to number one because I don't think he'd play enough to get to number one. Right. But in our minds, Tiger in 2020 can become the best player in the world. Um, he won the last PGA Tour start. Well, I'm sorry, Rory did. Rory won the WGC. But, I, yes, against Rory, who is going to be Rory, John Rahm is going to continue to explode. A monster. Absolute, have, absolute monster. We have Kepka, who's going to be Kepka if that left knee is not bothersome. DJ, I think, is going to rebound. Mm -hmm. Justin Thomas, I think, takes another leap up. Um, and we haven't even gotten Xander and Justin Sp and Jordan Spieth. Patrick Cantley is Patrick like Patrick Cantley, yeah. Tommy Fleetwood, on and on and on. But yes, Tiger, from what I saw at Zozo, and there were two times this year that I saw somebody who I knew knew in his heart he was going to win that tournament. Tiger at the Masters. I bumped into him Friday night um, after the after the first two rounds and just this look and the way he would be walking the golf course that week, the way he just looked, you knew. And I even said to him, I go, you know, you're going to win this, don't you? And he just <laughs> smiled and shook his head affirmative. And then the other way in, at Zozo, we saw leading up to it, 
and even after he made he started the tournament with three consecutive bogeys, we still I still kept looking at him going, he knows he's gonna win this thing. And he did. Um he gets this feeling and hopefully we'll see that look again at Tory Pines, which I think is gonna be a monster monster tournament. Um Tory, you know, obviously mm-hmm. Tiger making his first start. Now that's very likely. I doubt if he's gonna play Maui. So I, I oh, think he's not playing up, there. Come on, you know he's not yeah. playing Hawaii. Come on, let's let's not put that out there. I he's hear gonna, you. His, so my my concern, Steve, is is this with regard to Tory Pines. Tiger owns that place, and Tiger owns a lot of places. Um, Tiger owned Doral. He owned Tory. He owned Warwick Hills back when we used to go back up to Michigan for Buick. Um, certainly Firestone. Tory was one of those places where he just he just gobbled the place up. My question to you is: coming out of the Presidents Cup, where he sat the Saturday session. Um, and it was cooler, and that may have been the plan. I think it was probably the plan all along for him to sit out both sessions was my suspicion. Now, you were there, and I wasn't, but I guess my question is, Torrey Pines traditionally plays long. It plays soft. Um, it also plays much cooler. Those those beautiful sunsets, you know, and the, that great California-looking weather on TV, it's sneaky chilly, and it's damp, and for a guy who's got a bad back, that isn't always the recipe for success. You know, Tiger Woods playing when it's 80 degrees and a little bit humid to stay nice and loose and, and keep everything moving is probably a lot easier than Torrey Pines when it's maybe damp and a little bit chilly. It's 60 degrees, 65 degrees. It's kind of windy and there's a long wait because it's a long golf course. What do you think about Tiger Woods today um, and the way he's going to potentially play that golf course? Does Torrey still set up for Tiger as well as it always has? Well, I... It might not, but the one thing I that I think is in his favor is it plays a lot tougher now. And Tiger always is better when the courses are playing tougher than when it is uh, a birdie fest. Um, the North Course, since being renovated, the North Course has become tougher and tougher each yes. year. Yes. Um, and the South Course is always going to be a beast. So I just think um, when it plays tougher, I think that plays into Tiger's hands. Now, back when he was rolling, everything played into his hands. But the North Course, my Lord, you know, you could shoot 62, 63 there. Um, and a lot of players did, 64s. You saw that a lot. And you knew if you could get through the South Course one of the first two days, you could go make up ground on the North Course. That I don't think is the, no longer the case anymore. Mm-hmm. So it's going to play tougher for a lot of other players. And I think that plays in the Tigers' hands. But, um, I just think what I saw at the end of the year, um, I just think Tiger and what we saw at the President's Cup, he was, I think he was the best player at the President's Cup on either team. Without a doubt. He went 3-0. and He was 3-0-0. And, um, and he he played much better than Justin Thomas did in those two team matches. Um, so, yeah, I I can't wait to get there. I mean, Rory's going to make his debut on the PGA Tour at, that, at Torrey Pines. I think Phil um, is, has Phil said that he's going to come out and play it. Um, where is he playing? Obviously, he's going to be the uh, ambassador. Uh, the, he's the playing out. He's league. playing. He's going to be at Palm Springs, and he said that he's going to skip yeah. Phoenix this year. Um, yes, yeah, so I think. I'm wondering if he plays I, Tory. I, I think he plays. Uh, he plays in Palm Springs at the American Express. Yep. Then he plays Tory. Then he gets on his jet, flies to Saudi Arabia. Then he gets back on his jet and flies to Pebble. I don't think he's going to play rib, but I think he'll play those four in a row. Um, and uh, 
So, I mean, that's a busy, that's a busy itinerary, but you know, Phil is Phil and I know he wants to be sharp, very sharp when he goes to Pebble. Well, he's going to want to be because he's defending champion. Pebble is a very special place, and he's never made any bones about it. Phil is going to be turning 50 um, in June, and I'll be very curious to see how he's able to react when he gets to Pebble. That's a long hop. you know. I don't care if you're you know, in a bed in a private jet, going yeah. from the West Coast to the Middle East, playing there, hopping back on the jet, buzzing you know, a lot of time zones, then to get up to the Monterey Peninsula is, is a big hop. And I'll be fascinated to see how he plays because if things start to go bad for him after all that jetting over to the Middle East, he's not giving himself any opportunities to make it get better by that yeah. kind of a schedule. That's a pretty rigorous schedule. Back to Tiger, though, for a second. Um, everything, Steve, and you, you know this as well as anybody, January, February, March, except really for the Players' Championships now since it's moved back to March, feels like a run-up for the Masters. How do you think Tiger schedules things out so that obviously he wants to peak for the second weekend in April. That's that's obviously going to be you know one of the big goals for the season. We'll talk about the Olympics in a little bit. How do you think he schedules things out? And do you think that he's going to approach this Masters as being even more special? Because he's now defending champion. He talked about when he won, having his kids there, and them sort of realizing what daddy does and what daddy sort of means, not just watching on YouTube, but but they're experiencing it. How different is this Masters going to be than it has been for the last several years? Well, I think Tiger's going to go in there. There's two things that happened to Tiger last year as he led up to the Masters that um, we didn't expect, uh, and I'm, I'm not sure if he expected it. He really, really, really loved Mexico. He loved going down there, and he loved that quirky golf course. Hmm. And he also loved the match play in Austin. So... The way I look at it, he starts at Torrey, then he takes three weeks off, then he plays Riv, his own golf tournament, the Genesis Open at, at Riviera, and then I think he plays Mexico. Um, so that's the same schedule he had last year. Now, he was scheduled to play the Arnold Palmer Invitational last year, but he pulled out with a little neck injury. Um, I think he's going to try to do the, the Arnold Palmer players back-to-back, mm-hmm. take, a, take another week off, then play the uh, – Match play, take another week off. I think he's, his body is getting adapted to the way he wants to play. The you know Two weeks in a, in a row, right. one week off. Two weeks in a row, one week off. And then he goes to Augusta and just – he'll have the same feeling he always goes to Augusta. He, he knows he, he plays that course as well as anybody alive that is still playing right now. It always makes him feel better. The Champions Dinner is one of his – best nights of the year um and he can you know obviously that's going to be the biggest media following there's going to be so much media there unlike other years because it's tiger's defending champion right so you're gonna you're gonna get network tv you're gonna get uh other people that usually don't go to the masters but they're going to go this year so it's going to be a hot ticket i mean if the mattress is always a hot ticket it's always the, the most watched <laughs> golf event of the season but i think you're right i think that the the run-up um cbs will start to roll the promos you know any day now that we're basically into 2020 that you know we're you know 85 days out from the masters we're 75 days out from the Masters, yeah. and you're going to hear nance and the whole new team talking about that the run-up will be huge because they're gonna be able to put tiger in the promo 
You know, do you, and that, oh, yeah. you don't even have to say a word. That promo does itself. Um, a couple of the shots from Sunday, him raising his, you know, sort of turning and, and doing the, the big yell with, with victory. There doesn't have to be a word spoken in that promo. You just flash that stuff up, that logo, and the date when the coverage begins, and it's enough said. Um, how do you think he's going to schedule after the Masters? Because one of the things I want to get into with you is the schedule for a lot of guys. People were chirping last year, and I heard it. I know you heard it. And once we sort of got to the U.S. Open and everybody looked at the schedule, and they're like, oh, my gosh, we're about to do a couple tournaments and then the British come back. There's basically one week, two weeks, and then, boom, we're right into FedEx Cup playoff time. Everything is so condensed. Now we're going to be adding the Olympics in August. Then we're going to be adding Ryder Cup. But for Tiger specifically, the problem has been when he takes extended breaks between the majors, you know, there's four weeks or so between each major or each big-time event at this point, he still has to play, it seems. Like when he was skipping some of those, granted, I was willing to give him a pass because he won the Masters, and so if he didn't play quite as much or didn't, get himself in contention. His year was his year was made in in April in my mind. But he's going to want to play better than that. How is he going to balance out the schedule and where do you think he tries to to pick and choose his events? Well, I think he's going to, you know, last year he took a month off. He didn't play between the Masters and the PGA Championship, missed the cut at the PGA Championship. He didn't play the month from the US Open to the Open Championship, missed the cut at the Open Championship. I think this year he's going to go uh, take another four-week break after Augusta. I think he'll go from Augusta the Masters straight to... Uh, right to Harding well, Park? Forward, and he'll go to Harding Park. He's won there before. He played well there in the 2009 President's Cup. He knows the golf course. He's going to play short and soft. And mm-hmm. and um, I think he'll take that month, month break. I do not think he will take another one-month break. I think he will play the... Uh, in Memphis, the WGC St. Jude. Um, and that's between the U S open and the open championship this year because of the Olympics. I think he will, he'll play that. So I think he'll play a PGA championship two weeks off Memorial two weeks off U S open two weeks off WGC two weeks off open championship. And then if he is one of the four players to, uh, qualify for the Olympics, he'd have another, week off maybe two i think closer to two weeks off he yeah. play the olympics after that the one thing that's going to drive all these guys with their scheduling the, the top players the top tier players is the Ryder cup um that one means something oh, that yeah. Ryder cup just oh, yeah. stands out and i think that will drive players when they're doing their scheduling more than anything else more than the Olympics, and right up there with the majors, obviously. I think those are the five things that everybody, the top-tier players, are going to circle. The four major championship weeks and the Ryder Cup. And I think that will determine a lot of the uh, scheduling. Um, I think players got more – they got used to it a little bit better this year um, with the condensed four majors in four months. Um, And then you also have the players' championship two weeks before that starts. Um and obviously, only 60 players are going to make the Olympics. So, you know, halfway through the season, a lot of the players aren't going to be concerned about the Olympics because they would have to go on. They're, a they're, major going, to re- they're going to realize that the Olympics is not in the cards for them, and a lot of yeah. them are also going to realize I'm not in contention to 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 realistically be a Ryder Cup candidate unless right. I win, you know, three times or something like that. There's going to be that that list gets dwindled down and down as we play. 
so guys are willing to maybe shuffle around. But as you're as you're saying for for the elite guys, it's a real balancing act. You know, Tiger had to walk that tightrope, and probably if he really hit a little bit of truth serum, probably would say like, yeah, you know what, it just it didn't work out the way that he wanted it to work out. But it was everybody's first time going through it, and when you consider the back surgeries and the extenuating circumstances between getting his body just ready to play and where we were going and how things set up. He's probably not satisfied, but he understands how it goes. And I agree. I think that the lesson for him out of 2019 from a schedule standpoint is you just can't realistically play once every four weeks for three months and expect to beat these guys. And like he's got his one yeah. and everything's set up for him at, at Augusta, but there's just too many good guys. And one of those guys I want to talk to you about is, is uh, the world's number one player at this point, Brooks Kepka. How concerned are you about Kepka having played two events after the FedEx Cup in the fall? He misses a cut, and he withdraws because of the knee injury. Then he WDs out and tells Tiger, like, I, I'm not going to be good to go to play President's Cup. He gets replaced by Ricky Fowler. Um, should we be worried about Kepka? Have you heard anything about the knee and where that stands? Well, we, did, we haven't heard anybody. Uh, I don't know if he's going to play Maui. Um, that'd be a, one really brutal golf course to come back to if you've yeah. got even slight worries about your left knee because that's as tough a walk in golf as there is. I mean, it's as tough as Augusta, um, up and down. Well, it's the side of a volcano, um, for crying out loud. I mean, yeah, and the wind. So I don't know yet. I mean, we will know on December uh, 27th uh, with the deadline to play in Maui. If he doesn't play Maui, I would expect, unless this is a lot more uh, serious than we we know about, I would expect him to, to show up at Torrey um, okay. and start from there. But the fact that we haven't heard anything, I mean, honestly, we haven't heard anything from anybody. I mean, I've sent uh, inquiries out to his agent, haven't heard anything back. We don't know. Brooks is tight-lipped. Obviously, nobody's going to leak because he doesn't leak anything. Um, so we won't know. Um, so that's concerning. Right? We, that, that's concerning right there. Yes. Though. We haven't. We, we don't know. You would think, you know, he has posted on Instagram a couple of things. When he, he raised a lot of money for charity at one of his tournaments at the Floridian. Um, but it was interesting. We didn't see him hit a shot in any of those postings. It didn't look like he, he was playing. Um, but again, we're, we're in a wait and see mode now. Um, but again, nobody knows how serious it is. Um, see, I'd be worried because if he, when, if he was feeling good the, and the agent had any kind of enthusiasm, was like, yeah, you know what? Two more weeks. We've got to be precautionary. Um, we'd love to have played the president's cup, but the long trip and going to a place, you know, we, we just weren't willing. We were 80% there, but we wanted to give 100% for the team and, and all that. There's a lot of ways an agent can spin that to the positive and say, hey, we're looking forward to, uh, to being in Kapalua. We'll be there. Or, you know, Kapalua's not going to be the place, but we're, we're going to actually pick up an event and play Sony, you know, or something like that. There's a lot of ways to positive. Radio silence for me on this one would not be a good thing. I, I don't like the sound of that in the least. Even though, though, even though we know basically Brooks Kepke is radio silence, um, right? But but but, but there's even, one. But but you don't want that. You know as well as anybody that that in a vacuum, like that vacuum gets filled, and people will start to speculate. And it's it's the quiet part of the season right now. And thankfully for him, the U.S. wins the President's Cup, so they were able to do that despite not having the world's number one player in the lineup, which is great. I mean, that shows the depth of the team, and that that's fantastic. But 
there's a lot of really easy ways to make sure that negative rumors and this and that don't get started. Not that I don't think Brooks really cares one way or the other about it. Yeah. But the agent's right. going to care. And, and why would you even want to worry about it? It's like, hey, you know, I got a member of the media here from USA Today and Golf Week that's just, you know, how are things going? Radio silence is not what you want to hear. Um, Kepka has yeah. an opportunity to do something pretty unique to three-peat at two majors. Obviously, two-time winner, now defending champion of the U.S. Open. U.S. Open going back to winged foot, which is one of the harder, I think, one of the more seriously blue blood, difficult, traditional U.S. Open venues we've got. It's also going back to Harding Park, which I know you and I talked about could be kind of interesting because there's a little bit of chatter that Harding could be a little bit too short for a PGA Championship, maybe a little easy. It's certainly not going to play you know, firm and fast like we've seen at Royal Melbourne, like we've seen at some other venues. What kind of odds do you give for Kepka? Let's just say he's healthy. What kind of odds do you give him based on the, those venues about winning a third one of those? I'm not going to say two. That's just too much to even think about. Can he win at Harding Park and uh, in Wingfoot? Well, at Harding Park, uh, look, Brooks can win anywhere. If he's healthy, he can win anywhere. Um, he's reached that level of confidence, and he reached that level with his with his talent. Um, at Harding Park, he's going to know that he can be he can join Walter Hagen, one of the greatest players of all time as the only players to win three or more PGA championships consecutively. Hagen won four in a row in the 20s. Um, anywhere, Brooks is going to be a threat. Um, and especially after last year, when if he had any little doubts about could he win against it, well, those are gone now. You know, he finishes one stroke back um, and tied for second behind Tiger. Yep. Foot, I think... I think he knows it's going to be loud. He knows it's going to be crazy. He knows that golf course is as tough a golf course when it's set up for a U.S. Open venue as any golf course in the history of golf. I mean, that I, – I started working for USA Today in Golf Week 2007, so I missed the 2006 U.S. Open. Wasn't there for Phil's uh, adventures. It's better that you Phil were. Phil Mickelson's adventures. Phil, Phil wishes he wasn't um, there either. Yeah, and I've talked to, at length with Jeff Ogilvy, who won the last uh, U.S. Open at Wingfoot in 2006. Mm-hmm. And he just says, every shot, I mean, every shot, you yeah. have to concentrate. Um, so, of course, he can win there. And Royal St. George's, yeah, of course, he can win there. I mean, Brooks, yes. I If he is healthy, if right now you told me he was as healthy um, – as he was at the Masters last year, I, I would say, yeah, he's going to win one major this year. Mm-hmm. He's going to contend like he did in at least three of them. Um, but the Harding Park one, yeah, there's a little chatter going on. Obviously, like you said, it's not going to be fast and firm, which would prove very difficult for the players, no matter how short the course would be. But if it's soft, and it's, it, it, we're talking May in San Francisco area, i got to believe it's going to be soft. Hopefully they might get a heat wave. Um, but I don't think so. It and brings, yeah, th- those kind of conditions some... just bring so many more players into into contention. As you had sort of mentioned before, Tiger likes it when a golf course is really difficult. Um, when a golf course like Harding Park, which isn't long to begin with, is going to play soft, right. then there are more players, just a greater number of players that are going to be able to shoot low scores. That doesn't always help the most accomplished or the most elite players. That The thing that separates the elite players is their ability to hit really hard shots under most difficult conditions. When a golf course plays 
more like a week-to-week PGA Tour event than more players are capable of playing well on that setup. Um, I'm going to give you four players who have yet to win a major championship. I want you to tell me which is the most likely to win one in 2020. John Rahm, John Rahm. Patrick Cantley, Xander Shoffley, or Tommy Fleetwood? I, I beat you to the punch. I'm sorry, big man. No, that's not. fine. John it's Rahm. it's get, what. So so, what is it about Rom? Why hasn't he won one yet? And what makes you that confident that he's going to win one in 2020? Well, I think he's always been on a learning curve, um, not only with how to play a golf course, but a learning curve and how to to handle his emotions. He's a, a fiery guy, and he's gotten much, 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 much better at yep. that. Yep. Um, he's extremely happy. He got married earlier this month in December, so he's extremely happy off the golf course. Um, you just look at his record. Uh, he was mostly all in top tens almost half the year, the last half of the year. He's got a repetitive golf swing where he's not going to get hurt. That's he's, another thing. I mean, yeah. he is so, he's, short so, back swing. he's so physically strong, and it doesn't look like yeah. his swing puts pressure or stress or excessive strain on the back, um, on the shoulders or the neck. It looks like something that's that's his and that he owns it, and it plays to what his body type is. Like he's he's just a strong, you know, fire plug of a guy. So powerful and. He doesn't try and be something that he's not. You know, John has got good hands and he's a streaky good putter and all that. He's not a finesse guy. He's going to try and just come up to a golf course and punch it in the mouth. And yeah, he's he's been doing that pretty well over the course of the last six months. But he's also he's there's the other thing. He's taking other other steps, just like Dustin Johnson did when Dustin Johnson became one of the best players in the world from 150 yards in. Mm-hmm. Um, and like Justin Thomas, much better tipper of the ball now, much better putter of the ball now. They, these elite guys take those little steps every year, and I think John Rahm is taking those little steps, and I think he's going to be a better chipper. He's going to be a better putter. I think he's going to be better from 125 yards in, 150 yards in. Nobody's more confident, well, maybe Brooks and Tiger, but he's as confident as anybody out there. Um, the talent is obviously there. It's crazy. I don't know why he hasn't won a major yet, but I think it's you know inexperience. But that experience is there. Well, now. I mean, but but he was um, his, so. he was local in the Capesa uh, at many events, and that held him back. I mean, you and I both know. Um, yeah. We would see oh, yeah. we would see his caddy Adam just sitting there trying to put on the stoic face, and you know, on the inside, he's just like, "This is the wrong play." You know, this it was it was right. once a tournament where John would become his own worst enemy, and. All it takes at a major, even though it's 72 holes over four days, it takes about a 10-minute lapse, and that'll cost you. The, the, the difference between these guys can be so fine and so minute. I agree. I, I think John Rahm is as talented as anybody on the planet. I think that he is capable of taking, you know, taking any round deep. He can make so many birdies. He can be so aggressive, um, but his talent can sometimes save him in ways that I think there are only a handful of players that can do it. He is so good. And as he mentally improves and can compartmentalize mistakes and put things behind him and get on with the business of just playing the next shot, I have no doubt in my mind he's capable of being a number one player in the world. Well, I'm not saying he's going to happen in 2020, but he has a game that can be number one. I just don't think – and that's not really like going out on a limb. I totally realize yeah. that. He's, I believe, number three as we're recording this, so – you know that doesn't take a whole lot more, 
but it says something about the combination of the talent and the work and where we think he he stands in relation to his peers. Um, I will tell you also, Steve, that after the President's Cup, I got on Metro North, I, I got on the New Haven line, I went into New York City, and I bought every share of stock in Justin Thomas that I could find. I was getting every single one of them because I know that you, as you had said, that Tiger Woods helped to carry him the first couple rounds, but I loved everything I saw from Justin Thomas playing at Royal Melbourne. Um, to, to me, coming out of 2019, he is the guy who looks primed to take another big leap forward. You give me a reason why I shouldn't think that he could win or might definitely win either the Masters or the PGA. I think those are the two that set up best for him. Um, maybe I'm wrong, but wh- where do you stand on what you think we're going to see from Justin Thomas in 2020? Well, the only way he won't contend in majors is if he gets hurt. Um, and unfortunately, he did get hurt with his wrist, and he missed the Masters last year. Yep. Um, in the PGA Championship last year. Um, that's the only thing standing between him and more trophies. Um, like, he, he, he works, and he works, and he works. And his father is right there as his coach, who works and works and works. And, I mean, that's not only his father, that's his best friend. Mm-hmm. And so you never get sick of each other. They just work, work, work. And he makes these incremental increase, you know, strides in his game. He's a much better driver of the golf ball now. He's always been one of the best iron players. I mean, you can yes. ask Jordan Speed, Tiger Woods, Ricky Fowler. Well, he he's ranked, always been one of the best. He, ran, he ranked players. second. He ranked second in the, on the PGA Tour last season in strokes gain approach to green. And if you ask any of these guys, you know, what are the one or two stats that you really want to be good at? Then iron game, setting up birdies, strokes gained approach, usually is the number one answer those guys give. He was gaining almost a full shot on the field in. 2018-19 on that you know, the just concluded PGA Tour season strokes gain approach he's what's amazing to me is he didn't have a very good putting year you know he was successful last season um, he won uh, obviously he had he had he had 18 made cuts out of 20 events um, seven top tens he won just north of five million bucks and he actually ranked 144th in strokes gain putting for the year which is very unlike him. I think that bounces back. Um, and I think he and his father, I agree, will be working on that over, you know, what, such as the, the offseason that they get. If his putting comes back to where it normally is, and typically he is, you know, 0.3 to 0.4, somewhere in there, a, a good putter, not a great putter, but a good putter. If he cleans that up, he cleans house. There's just no doubt in my mind. He's, he'd be right up there. I mean, and I, I think. Obviously, he knows he's got to keep concentrating on on the driver and always keep his iron play intact. But I think those are the two specific ones he's going to go after, the chipping and the putting. Um, and he did have a little woes with the putting last year. But, he, you know, he won two of his last, I think, five starts on the PGA Tour to end his to end 2019. Uh, and he always wins over in Asia at least once a year. He did again. And he won that uh, the BMW Championship in the FedEx Cup. Um yeah, he's. We could make a case of Patrick Haley. You know, I think. I don't want to. I want to put this out with Patrick Haley. I think what I hope somebody will tell him, and I hope what he learned, is we had never seen emotion like that from Patrick Haley. Oh yeah, at the President's Cup, and I think he learned. Hey, it's okay for me to be emotional out here. Hey, this is not too bad. 
Hey, ever hear about the ex-football star who robbed a Brinks truck, then tucked $400,000 under his arm like a football and escaped using an inner tube? No? Then you'll want to listen to season one of The Sneak, a podcast by For the Win and USA Today Sports. Here, take a quick listen to the man who actually pulled that off. In 2008, a former D1 football star pulled off a robbery so daring and so strange that it went viral worldwide. It was a perfect crime story. There was just one problem. It wasn't the real story of what happened. I didn't just one day wake up and decide to rob an armored truck. There were smaller things that had happened. I promised like myself this was the last thing I was going to do. The more like elaborate something is, and the more moving parts, but that's more shit that can like go wrong. I made some crucial errors. Number one, I escaped on an inner tube. Number two, I hired decoys to help me pull off the robbery. Every single thing I wanted to do, I did. My transformation, I guess, as a person came at the worst time of my life. I pulled this off. I wasn't worried about money anymore, but I was more miserable than ever. No money can change, like, who somebody is as a person. I was busted by a homeless guy. The Sneak is a new, serialized true crime podcast from For the Win and USA Today Sports, streaming only on Wondery+. Plus. Subscribe at wondery.com slash plus. You, yeah, you're, um, you're allowed to want to win. You're allowed to let that out. We all know that you can't... You can't be an elite golfer if you don't have drive. If you don't have work ethic and if you don't have, in a very positive way, that, that level of selfishness that you want to do this. Like This is one of the most important things in, that will ever happen in your life is becoming the best golfer you can be. That's what's required to, to get to where these guys are. Patrick Cantley is the number seven player in the world. And yeah, it, yeah for, for, I love seeing. you know he, So he dropped an F-bomb as he made a putt. Big deal. I've been waiting for him to do that for, for a long time. And it, and I think it bothers him a little bit that he only won once last year. Now, granted, it was the Memorial. And granted, he was there deep into Sunday at the Masters. He was. Um, he yep. played well at the President's Cup. He's one of the best drivers of the golf ball. Um, I just think uh, there's a little disappointment ringing going, you know, I am number seven in the world, but yet I only won once in 2019. I, I got to take care of that. I think there... There's drive there. You know, that huge putt he made in the team matches at the President's Cup and then to win his singles match, you know, with the the country on his back, with, every, you know, the team was up against the wall going into Sunday. I think that'll do a lot for him. Um, he's extremely talented, but I just hope he realizes that, you know, sometimes let me release this emotion. Let me Let me show some fire. There's nothing wrong with that, and I hopefully that'll take him to the next level. But again, he's just another one of the players that. Yeah. Do you think that he feels? Do you think he feels overshadowed? And he, there are a lot of things that happen with him, an injury, and a lot of things outside the ropes that happened to him early in his career. But do you think he feels sometimes overshadowed by Justin Thomas to some degree? Jordan Spieth, who obviously bursts on the team on the scene in 2014, 2015. Justin Thomas is doing his thing. Um, Xander Shoffley a couple of years ago gets Rookie of the Year and has some wins. And, and by nature, Patrick is just a more quiet, 
in the background kind of guy, just to what you're talking about. You're not getting the big fist pumps, the emotional outbursts from him that frankly just draw attention in a social media world, you know, turn into memes and all this other kind of stuff. Does he feel that? Does he care about that? No, I don't think so. And I, and I think obviously he's not a, he's a very smart man too. He's not stupid. He knows for two years during this time, he basically couldn't hit a golf ball. You right. know, he always was struggling with that back. Um, and no, I don't think he, he cares if he's overshadowed, um, unless he's overshadowing himself. He just, he wants to win. He showed that fire at the president's cup. He showed that fire at Memorial, um, without any outburst. You, you could see it in his eyes. You could see it in the way he walked. Um, so no, I, I don't think he cares if he's overshadowed or not. I think he cares about getting to number one. I think he cares about winning. Um, but I don't. If the limelight comes, fine. He'll deal with that. He's dealt with a lot of things in his life. He'll deal mm-hmm. with that if it if he explodes uh, on Madison Avenue. But no, he, he's not bothered. Do you think Jordan Spieth's bothered by being number forty three in the world? What bothers me about Jordan um, is now it's sort of, and this might be unfair, but it sort of sounds starting to sound like Phil Mickelson when Phil had won all those years. He kept saying, "I'm close, I'm close every week. Close, I'm close. Yeah. I'm close." Jordan says. I'm finding the right way. I, I'm finding my path there. I'm going there. Yeah, but we've been now hearing there. this for two years. Well, what bothers me is, yeah, it, you would have thought he would have already found it. Um, that's my concern about Jordan, um, that you would think he would have already found something that would have taken him to the next level, and he hasn't found it yet. Um, though I'm not counting him out. And definitely it bothers him. He's number 43. It bothered him that he wasn't he wasn't in Australia for the President's Cup. Well, he even said that like he wasn't even going to be able to watch it, that, that it would yeah. be too difficult for him to watch. He wanted the guys to win, but if he's not going to play, it's, it would just be too burning for him to even watch the coverage. So he must be bothered by that stuff. Yeah, and you know, and look, that giant carrot that's in September that's called the uh, Ryder, Ryder Cup, Cup, that will fuel him as much as it'll fuel anybody. Um, he definitely does not want to go two team matches for the United States in a row without playing. Um, he works as hard as anybody. Um, I just think he gets in his way too often. Um, does he I need a new coach? Thing. I mean, is this is how much of it is on him? How much of it is on oh, Cameron? It's all on, no, it's all on him. And, okay. and he would get angry if if anybody blamed anybody else but him. Um, it's not his caddy's fault. It's not his coach's fault. It's not anybody else's fault. Um, he's got to work this through himself, by himself, and he will. I think he will. We certainly haven't seen him win for the last time. In 2017 was his last victory at the Open Championship. No, there's, there's, just, there's just way too much talent there. But the, what happens <laughs> at this point, as you sort of mentioned, is I'm close, I'm close, I'm close, and it becomes the kid who cries wolf. Like You stop paying attention to that, and at some point you come to realize that, okay, 2014 for him was a, was a good year. 2015 was a historically significant year. You know, Wins the Masters, wins the U.S. Open, comes pretty darn close to winning the British Open at St. Andrews, which is the best place to win a, an Open. Um, Ryder Cup stud doing, doing some really good stuff in, in 16, and then... You know, a, a miraculous you know run to win at Royal Birkdale. So now he's got three legs of the slam, and we haven't seen anything from him since that time. At some point, you start to learn. Well, well, what Jordan Spieth is it going to be? I mean, if you say that uh, a golfer 
has three majors, you know, in 15 years and he spaces them out, you know, one every five years and say, oh, that's a fantastic, good, long career. If, if Jordan Spieth all of a sudden wakes up and a couple more years go by and all the, you know, the, the majors were just front loaded early, which one is the anomaly is, is, is the period that we've had for the last two years where he's been searching for the full swing after he finds the putter, the putter lets him go because he's working on the full swing, that sort of back and forth that we've had for the last, you know, 18, 24 months, or was he just on a prolonged hot streak, which God bless, like what, what a hot streak it was. It was some amazing golf. It took him to number one in the world. It, it begs the question, you know, what, which is the real Jordan Spieth? Will you please stand up? I, I'm with you. I think the work and the talent can only be denied for so long, but I get to the point where people will question it. People will question the relationship with he and his coach. They'll, they'll question, you know, can a player who's not built like Brooks Kepka or Dustin Johnson or some of these guys, you know, the way that Rory's gotten all yoked out, can you win without having that physicality in your game? And Jordan was able to do that. But, you know, now that it's 2020 and guys are coming up and everybody, you know, the David Toms of the PGA Tour are gone and they're getting replaced by monsters who are coming out here. Um, it's it's got to be harder and harder for somebody like Spieth to maintain that. I think he can do it, but I think the challenge is pretty big. Yeah, and, and with each month that passes, if the, the months continue to pass, the biggest person that's going to question him is him. He's going to start questioning himself. Okay, do I do this? Do I do that? Do I work on this? Do I work on that? What, what, whatever. Um, it'll just build it on him. And we're talking emotional guy there. Um, got a lot of noise up in his head. He always will. That's just who he is. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's just who he is. He had that same noise when he was winning. All you know, twelve times in those five years, six years. Um. Mm-hmm. That's just who he is. I think he always has to be trying to find something that's wrong with his game that he has to complain about or has to, you know, debate himself about or has to work on it. That's his that's his inner that, drive. That's that's the way that he yeah. drives himself and he's gotten this far, which has been tremendous. It, but that noise will you know, that noise will amplify if he continues not to win. But uh, there's another intriguing storyline going into twenty twenty. So what are we supposed to make of the Olympics? I mean, obviously it's you ask almost any athlete, would you like to play or would you like to compete in the Olympics? And in just about every sport before, you know, you answer John Rahm really fast, then they're going to answer, of course, you know, I would love to march in the parade of the athletes to see the flag being elevated and hear my country's national anthem because I was able to achieve something. It would give most people just chills even thinking about it. Um, but for golf, we've, we've got our four majors. We, we've got our Ryder Cup. We've got other competitions. What are we at this point supposed to make of the Olympics in golf? Well, I think I think more and more people are are going towards the way that Bubba Watson and uh, Ricky Fowler experienced the 2016 Olympics in Rio. They not only love going down there to play golf, they went to everything. They went and saw Usain Bolt run. They went and saw Ledecky swim. They went to a ton of uh events and they, loved they loved interacting with all those other athletes not just from the usa but from all over the countries i mean ricky and bubba couldn't stop talking about how great it was and i think more and more people justin rose will tell you it was great and now granted he won the gold medal but he had blast i think a lot of players you know one 
going down to, to Rio because of the Zika virus and because of uh, safety concerns. Well, I was going to ask you, I mean, uh, the, the, fact there, that, the fact that we're going to Japan, and I think a lot of the concerns about going to Rio, obviously, they're not going to exist. How much is the fact that we're going to Japan helping the Olympic movement with golf this time as opposed to going to Rio? I think slightly. I mean, I, I, I think slightly. Those guys, once they got down to Rio and they saw the setup there, I think their safety concerns were, were devalued. They went way down. Um, and so I, I think more and more people, look at Tiger has said it, that this is probably his last chance to make an Olympic team. He would love to make that Olympic team. So I think that's driving him a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the guys realize that, you know, that gold medal would look pretty nice up against that green jacket or up <laughs> against that U.S. Open trophy or up against the Wanamaker trophy. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure um, that Justin Rose hasn't gotten sick of being introduced as the Olympic champion. Yeah. And and again, now here's the. Here's the little thing, and the players will find out. The golf venue is at least an hour to an hour and a half right. travel time to any other venue in Japan. Um, and I don't know if the players are going to be going out every day and back and forth to the Olympic compound or not. Um, but that'll make it a little more difficult uh, for the players to experience everything else. But, you know, I went to a couple events. I, I saw Usain Bolt running right at me in the 200 in the preliminaries and I saw Ledecky swim and the few t- events that I went to, and there's just nothing like it. It's, it's up there with going to your first masters. It's up there with going to your first open championship at St. Andrews. Um, it's up there with going to your first Ryder cup. Uh, your body just becomes alive. And I think more and more of the players are finding out that from what the other players who went there in mm-hmm. 16 experienced, um, Sergio loved it, um, you know, and he talked about how great it was. Um, what could be more inspiring for an elite athlete than seeing other people in different sports that they may or may not be aware of? I and mean, it's one thing to to see, you know, somebody like Usain Bolt run, and you know, that just must be an incredible thing. But Usain Bolt is also probably pulling in tens of millions of dollars a year. <laughs> but but the thing is that when you walk around the Olympic Village or when you're taking in some of these other events, you see the people who aren't doing that, who may have a, a full-time other job that, oh yeah, by the way, I'm doing that while I'm an Olympic-level rower or while I'm also a power lifter or while I'm a wrestler or, or whatever, you know, whatever it happens to be. Number one, you sort of realize golf's a pretty good gig. You know, if you're Ricky Fowler, you don't have to worry about money. No one who's related to you has to do that. Your talent and your marketability have earned you such. But that's not everybody. And so you sort of sometimes go to these sports. And what can be more inspiring than seeing these athletes performing literally at, at the highest level possible? And I think athletes look at that and they can appreciate that in the ways that maybe you and I as reporters and writers, we try to appreciate it, try to tell that story to our readers but it's at a different level when you when those people can understand the dedication that it takes to become, you know, a world class fill in the blank. It doesn't even matter. You know, some guy's going to be out there doing Greco Roman wrestling, and it he, he that person is not pulling in Ricky Fowler kind of cash, but he's putting in the time in the gym. He's getting the hell beat out of him, probably going all over the world wrestling other dudes. They're not going to be on TV every weekend, sponsored by Travelers or sponsored by FedEx. Yet the dedication is there, and I think that athletes would see that and be like, "Yeah, you know what? Game respects game. That that's pretty amazing." And 
I would imagine it's got to be one of the most inspiring work ethic inducing exercises that an athlete can undergo. Oh yeah. I, I mean, I know Ricky talked about it. Bubba talked about it. Others talked about it. One of their funnest times was eating with the other athletes, dining with the other athletes, um, hearing their stories, um, sharing Ricky stories with others. You know, they wanted to hear about Ricky and, and they just love going to that dining hall and, and to the other events. So, I, I think they're looking for. I don't know if they're looking forward to it as much as they're going to look forward to the Ryder Cup. But uh, you know, well, let, let's get let's let, let's get to that. So the the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow for golf season is that twenty twenty is a Ryder Cup year. Um, the U.S. gets it handed to them at Le Golf National in Paris. Um, what going into this Ryder Cup season do you think are going to be a couple of the storylines? I mean, I would think Tiger Woods makes his comeback as a player. We can sort of anticipate. That has a good chance of happening. Um, if he's not on the team as an automatic qualifier and he's anywhere near, you know, the the cutoff, I've got to believe that he is going to be selected with a captain's pick. But how much do you think going back to this venue helps hurts the the U.S. team? What are you expecting um, from from the Ryder Cup? You know, as we're sitting here nine months out, ten months out. Well, Europe has won seven of the last nine. Um, and they waltzed in Paris. I think it was – it's hard to say it was a wake-up call, but I think it slightly was for some of the guys where they realized over in Paris, the Golf National, that the golf course was as important as anything in the Ryder Cup. Agreed. That um, now they realize everybody – Tiger knew that. Those guys, they knew that. But some of the younger guys might not have realized – how big a deal the golf course setup is. Whistling straights, everybody thinks this is going to favor Europeans. Well, I don't think so. Uh, because, number one, most of the Europeans play their full-time schedule in, in the, the United US. States. Yeah, in the U.S. Yeah. And, yes, they might have grown up on Lynx golf courses. But, you know, that was 25, 30 years ago. Um, and this is a little wider open Lynx course. Whistling straights is uh, right there on Lake Michigan's shores. So I... But they do realize the course matters. Um, the other storyline, can Jordan Spieth get back to the team championship? And that's right up there with, will Tiger be a player or will he be a, just an assistant captain? Um, well, the one I want to ask you about is, if he doesn't automatically qualify on points, would you give Patrick Reed a captain's pick? That's going to be interesting. Um, it's going to depend on how Patrick handles this upcoming year. And I think he'll handle it all right, but it's going to be unrelenting. Um, if he thinks it's been bad in the past, I mean, we're talking about he's got a U.S. Open in New York to play. Yeah. That alone is going to be hard to handle. But everywhere he goes, every week, wherever he goes, he's going to be asked by the locals. He's going to be by the local media. Um, wherever beer is served on a Thursday it. or Friday morning, he will be reminded of yes. shovels and burying stuff and kicking sand. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, now, his actions over at the President's Cup, I don't think uh, that was as bothersome uh, as, you know, tearing the team apart within an hour after the 2018 Ryder Cup. Um, but that's going to be interesting. Uh, but I'll tell you this. It's just like Tiger. Tiger, the W means more than anything else. Stricker is the same way. If you've got eight guys, if you've got your eight qualifiers that have told Stricker, yeah, 
you better put Reed on this team. Patrick Reed's going to be a pick. Yeah, but how many people are going to be willing to go to bat for Patrick Reed? Like, I get the fact that when his putter is going and the short game is really grooved, like it was in the singles <laughs> on Sunday at Royal Melbourne, then it's it's impossible to deny that that talent can help out the team. But you know, he's he's burned some bridges that have would seemingly have been mended. But how many guys are really going to be willing to stick their neck out and say, like, you know what, Patrick Reed? In the qualifying thing, ended up thirteen, but we should still take him. We 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 got yeah, that. It's going to be hard for him to get find friends who are going to stick up for him at this point, isn't it? Now, granted, now Tiger told us this. You know, Zach Johnson said the same thing. Um, and granted, the picks were made before the Hero World Challenge, and he had his adventures in the waste bunker. Right. But to a man, all eight guys said, "Yeah, Patrick Reed definitely." And there were a lot of guys that were available to pick Tiger. Patrick Reed, Tony Finau, Gary Woodland, those were the four guys. Jordan Spieth was still in the mix, Kevin Na, Kevin Kisner. There are a lot of guys to choose from. And from what we were told, um, all eight of the guys that had qualified said, yeah, get Reed, pick Reed. And I know some people were surprised. I wasn't um, because I had a couple other people uh, associated with the team saying, oh, yeah, he's one of the four guys. Um, That's definite. So, um, like you said, it's – you know, I think the United States team put on a brave face down there when they were backing him at, at Melbourne uh, for President's Cup. I'm not sure how 2020 is going to play out for him. Now, this might die down. I don't think it will. Um, I think every time he gets into a bunker, he's going to hear <laughs> it. It's going to chirp at him. Um, and hopefully he doesn't have any incident where they have to zoom in to see what happened in a bunker or happened in a in the rough, or did his putter hit the ball accident? That's uh, hopefully none of that comes up because if it does, that'll bring everything up again from the Hero World Challenge. But um, he's a bulldog, he's a raging bull, um, and he's played for the most part much better than he played in the team matches. Um, so again. Are we wrong though? Are we are we wrong to some degree though to, to thinking that the whole Captain America thing may be over and that if there is such a thing and you know I I'm not a huge fan of, of anointing anybody whatever but like I came out of Royal Melbourne thinking that obviously Tiger Woods deserved to be there the guy was three zero and zero as a player captain that that I'll say the face for me of of American team golf is now Justin Thomas I, I look at him as being the guy who is taking that mantle. I have every reason to believe that, barring injury, he's on every American team for at least the next decade to decade and a half. He is not somebody that I anticipate ever having a kerfuffle or whatever, any of this kind of crap that, that Reed has gotten mixed into. He's the guy, isn't he? I wrote that before we went over there. Um, and you could tell he uh, he sort of stayed in the background 2017 at the Prisons, which was his first uh, team thing. He was more up front, and he was more of a leader in 2018. He certainly was a leader 2019 at the President's Cup. Um, and that's just who he is, a fiery guy. Uh, you know, he'll be bothered by the fact that he and Ricky squandered a five-up lead with eight to go on Saturday afternoon. Um, that's going to drive him. He's also going to be driven by the fact that he was two up at the turn and he lost a singles he match. He lost a singles match. That, really, will, that pissed him off. You could tell that that pissed yeah. him off. But here's the thing. I could tell that he was pissed off. He was slapping the putter a little bit. He understood the the ramifications that the team needed that point. But there wasn't the outburst stuff. 
There wasn't like the histrionics. Right. There wasn't the crap. Like, it was just all that drive and frustration was focused inward. And then when the team wins, like he's the first guy. Hey, remember when we you know blew a five up lead? Nope, neither do we. I mean that picture yeah. that he and Ricky put up. They understand that they blew it, but game over. Good sports, whatever, all that kind of stuff. You just we never get that part from Reed. Like that's not the part that we get. And and there seems to be the inclusion that that Justin Thomas does all this with open arms, join me and the party kind of a thing, especially after it's done with the celebrating. But he is as intense and as driven to play well on these things as, as anybody that's out there. I just there's such a different vibe um to to him oh, yeah. at least from the outside. And you were there, I wasn't there, but boy, it sure felt like after Tiger Woods and, and the captains who were there that that was Justin Thomas's team. Yeah. And it, it, just as it was, I think it was Jordan Spieth's team in 2016 at Hazeltine. Um, and Jordan, you know, he became a leader immediately in 2014 at the uh, Ryder Cup. Um, and that's just the way he is at the Ryder Cup. Natural leaders. Yeah. Jordan Spieth is a natural leader. Justin Thomas is a natural leader. Um, and I talked to him about that in Japan before uh, the President's Cup. And he says, that's just the way I've always been. Um, you know, when I was a freshman, I, I treated the seniors the same way I treated the other freshmen. Yeah, there's one common goal, win as a team. Team comes first. You come second. You do everything in your power to make sure that team wins, but team comes first, and that's always been that way with Justin, and it always will be that way. But Same t- thing with Jordan. Tell you so, what, if, if, Spieth, if Spieth can right the ship and get himself onto that Ryder Cup team, to have a team with Brooks Kepka. Justin Thomas, Dustin Johnson, who I think is going to come back, Tiger, Cantley, Jordan, Shoffley. That's a hell of a core. I mean, that yeah, right there. Woodland. That that's yeah, and then then toss in Woodland and throw in Fina, who just Fina, wants to go out there yeah. and make birdies and knock things down. That is as formidable a lineup as the US has had in a long, long time. Now there's a lot of things that's going to happen between now and the end of September, but you can see that sort of shaping up. Not that the European squad with Rory and with Rom, Justin Rose is still not done. I still believe in you know Molinari, Paul Casey, um, you know, those guys. It's, like, it, it's not like they're going to be pushovers in the least. But boy, the U.S. team no, no. has a chance to be on, again on paper absolutely loaded. Yeah, and I, I can see it going up to Rory McIlroy. Yeah, Rory on paper, the United States is heavily favoring. Rory going, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> heard We've that heard for the last day. Yeah. Keep saying it. Keep telling us that. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, we just knocked off six, six top players in Europe, and we didn't come across You know, so that team isn't going to be chopped with. It never is. It never will be. No. Um, so as much as I look forward every year to the Masters, as much as – I look forward to an open championship at St. Anne's. Uh, I'm really looking forward to 2020 Ryder Cup. I mean, it's just going to be – I can't believe it will be a letdown. It's just no, going to be never, tremendous. The Ryder Cups are always good. So lots of storylines coming out. It was a tremendous year in 2019. Lots and lots of things to look forward to with 2020. Steve, thanks very much for coming on the Ford Press. I look forward to working with you in 2020. Always a pleasure, big man.